Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this breakthrough service in Jesus' name. This isn't just a Wednesday night Bible study. Every service at Revival House Church is a breakthrough service. Amen. It's funny, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, you wouldn't believe. Today I went to go on my broadcast. Start, something started buzzing. We start, what's buzzing? We start to go look at the microphone. All of a sudden the microphone stops working. Oh, let's go get the other microphone. We pull up the other microphone. We go to plug it in. Guess what? That microphone stops working. I have no idea what happened. It's funny, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown says, it seems like we've moved so far forward that we're going backwards, amen, with technology sometimes. We've moved so far forward that we're going backwards, amen. But hallelujah, we'll have all those kinks worked out by Sunday. I was laughing during prayer because I was like, you know, we've been using these little microphones to do the broadcast, and, and I was like, man, the devil, he's just so stupid, which I'm not a person that bl- just blames the devil all the time, but the devil's so stupid. After that happened with those microphones, I literally told our, our sound team guy, I said, I want you, there's this like nice microphone, like $500 microphone, and I said, I don't care, we're going we're gonna to believe, we're just going to buy it, amen. This is never happening again in the name of Jesus. I was just laughing. I was like, devil, how dumb are you? You do this stuff, and you just push us to have the best. Amen. Yeah, he overplays his hand. He's not very smart, is he? Not compared to the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Well, last night, you, got, you heard the testimony, guys. For the month of January, we won 100 souls to Christ. 100. I believe some of you were a part of that, our intern. You know, I just, I just decided, like, we're winning 100, and I'm not settling for anything less. So come yesterday morning, as a church corporately, we had won, what would you say, 74? 74. So I told them. I was like, you go win me 100 souls. We got to get 100, right? I, I'm just not, that, that's been our sole goal. I'm just not settling for anything less. We will get 100. And praise God, he went out. Some of them went and helped them. We had some in Nacogdoches going, some in, in Lufkin going, and we got 100 people that responded to salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we got contacts. I'm sure we'll be connecting with those people. Amen. Hallelujah. We're believing for 1,000 this year, which if we just do 100 a month, that's actually 1,200. But I'm really believing that we'll hit that 1,000 mark six months in, and we'll just double it, 2,000 souls. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for those 100 souls. Tonight... I want to share with you what's in my spirit. This is going to be unique. I really don't know what this is going to be. I may turn, turn into preaching. I may turn into jumping and shouting and, and running around. I, don't, I have no idea. I may just stand up here and teach, but I'm going to share what God put in my spirit. And it's this. It's something that 
he's really been showing me the value. I believe that this, what I'm going to share with you, is a huge key to several things in your life. It's a huge key to prosperity in your life. It's a huge key to success. It's a huge key to fulfilling the call of God on your life. And it's really just a huge key to walking in the fullness of what God has for you. And it's something that a lot of people neglect. A lot of people spend their whole life and never find this thing that I'm going to talk about tonight. And so I'm going to begin with a question. And it's this. Where are you called? Where are you called? I want to lay a foundation of this. But before I do, let's just pray together. Amen. And, I, and, I, and listen to me. I hope, I hope that you put a demand on God tonight. Again, at this church, every service is a breakthrough service. So don't ever show up and think, well, it's just going to be a cute little, you know, we're just going to have a cute little Wednesday night. Let's get in the Word and, and go over some VeggieTales stories. We're, I believe, you know, the Bible's not just, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the kingdom is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power, demonstration of power. Amen. And I believe that if you're hungry, and you'll put that demand on the Lord, and you won't normalize. Like, never normalize a service. If I could tell you, you actually have to discipline yourself to do that, to never normalize a time of the anointing. Because you know that every time we gather together, this is an anointed time. This is actually a holy time. Well, what, is it? what do you mean it's a holy time? Holy just means set apart. It's actually a time that the Lord has set apart for himself. That's what the gathering of the saints is. Where two or more gather, there I'll also be. What does he mean there I'll also be? Does Jesus physically manifest here in the room? No, but he sent his advocate. He sent the Holy Ghost, his replacement on the earth. So by the Spirit of God, he said there I'll also be. What is the Spirit? The Spirit is the anointing. Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. When the Holy Ghost came on Jesus, that is, the Holy Ghost is the anointing of God. Right, and maybe you need a clarification of that because maybe, you know, we, we sometimes, you get people at all different levels and you can start talking Christianese, right? You start throwing some words out. People are like, what does that mean? What is the anointing? The anointing is the Holy Ghost. When you've been anointed, you get anointed when the, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? That Jesus, uh, I'll get to this, but Apostle John, actually not Apostle John, John the Baptist, he said, I baptize with water, but one is coming who is greater than I, who I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Say baptize. To be anointed by God, in that word in the Greek, baptismo, literally means to be submerged, Right? So a lot of Christians, they get saved, and, and I'll make this distinction for you. A lot of Christians are saved, but they're never anointed. Because anointed isn't just being saved. When you get saved, his spirit joins with your spirit, right? But it's like you're a cup that he, he puts his spirit into you. His spirit joins with your spirit, Romans chapter 8, to affirm that we are God's own children. But baptism means to be submerged, right? Right? 
So the same way, basically what John was saying is the way that I am dipping you, right? We don't do it the Catholic way. We don't get a squirt gun, <laughs> squirt you, a little sprinkle. It literally means to be submerged. He will submerge you. It won't just be the Holy Ghost in you. The, Holy, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The great revivalist, William Seymour, who led the Azuzu Street Revival, said, dip me in the kerosene. Dip me in thy kerosene, O Lord, that I may burn for you, for the world to see. So it's, it's, it, there's a tangible power, presence of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? So you have to make that switch when you come into a service every single time. You've got to decide, I'm pressing in to receive. Guys, it's easy to normalize. The, the worst thing that you could do is normalize the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Normalize it. And, and I'm telling you that you've really got to watch yourself. And this is kind of awkward because I, I am the pastor and everything, but you need to learn to make these distinctions that, you know, a lot of places the Holy Ghost is limited in how he can touch the people because the, the people just normalize the anointing that's on the minister. And listen to me. I'm telling you, this will ruffle the feathers of a religious spirit. They don't want to hear that. But they'll just normalize the anointing that's on a minister. Jesus said that he could do no mighty miracles because a prophet was without honor in his own hometown. So when he went to his own hometown, they knew his mother, his brothers, his sisters. They, they knew his childhood. They said, aren't you the carpenter's son? And so basically they had no expectation to receive from him. That's why really a minister's job is to be locked away in a sense. Not that you're too good, not that you don't socialize with people, but a, real, a minister's job is to be locked away. It says in the book of Acts, whenever it came to, feed, uh, to serving tables, Peter said, can't somebody else serve the tables? He said, our job is to be devoted to prayer and to administration of the word of God. So, you know, a minister's job is truly to be locked away in a place and not, I mean, you got to be with the people. Listen to me. It's not like a total, but to be locked away in this place with the Lord, it's not our job. Well, let's just go have bowling night and let's just go have game night. Let's just go. You know, honestly, a church, that's a super American mindset because you just normalize everything and then no one has an expectancy to receive. Are you guys with me? Is that too deep? Is that too much? Does that offend anybody? No bowling nights. We need to have less bowling nights and more prayer, <laughs> revival services. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. Let me lay this foundation. Habakkuk 2.2. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he, he may run who reads it. So a couple of things here. I'll do offering at the end. A couple of things here. 
I want to tonight, I want to basically make the vision of this church very plain to you. I want to spell it out for you, what we are here to do, what we're not here to do. Amen. And maybe this is just in me, like, I'm sure anybody follow me on Facebook, I wouldn't suggest it, but if you do, you might see some, some stuff on Facebook. And I was laughing with my wife, I posted something last Wednesday night, and it's just crazy. Do we actually have that post we can throw up? Throw that post up. I want, I want you to see this. I want the devil to look at it one more time. Look at this Facebook post. Losers stay home from church on Wednesday night. Don't be a loser. Be a winner. Right? My sense of humor, that was just like some lighthearted, funny. If you know me, that's, that's funny to me. Be a winner, don't be a loser. And I'll also just be upfront about the type of Christian that we are breeding in Revival House Church. And I'll kind of get into some of this, but we're not, we're not breeding that mindset. Like, we're not breeding a bunch of people that think that they would rather, whenever it comes time, on Sunday, on Wednesday. I mean, we're breeding people that take the things of God seriously, that are hungry for the things of God, that are serious about their calling, that are serious about their purpose, that are serious about the return of Jesus Christ, and that they're, they're desperate. Like, I need to get this in me. I need to get God in me. I need to get God through me. Not a person that just wants to sit in a lazy boy with Cheeto stains on their fingers. Are you with me? Like... You should feel guilty about that. I, I would feel guilty about that. I would feel guilty as the pastor of this church if everybody was here on Wednesday night and I was sitting at home on my phone or watching Netflix knowing that you guys were in church. That would bother me, right? I would like feel some type of conviction like, Man, Lord, there's no way that this is pleasing to you. Are you with me? Put the post back up, but it's funny because... Last Wednesday, we were at the river, Tampa Bay, and so, um, man, that was an awesome time. Oh, my gosh, that was like one of the best camp meetings I've ever been to. Powerful, powerful time. So I came on. We had Brother Tristan minister. Did you guys enjoy Brother Tristan last week? Amen. Y'all give him a round of applause. He did a great job. You know, I'll tell you, not that Brother Tristan's not a phenomenal teacher and, and all of that, but, you know, th that's something that's actually backwards in this culture is that we, we put a person's gift on a pedestal more than their character. And so then you got a bunch of, what, ministers, men of God, ministers of the gospel running around, cheating on their wives, having affairs, all this scandal stuff coming up because they may be gifted. But what I love about Tristan is he's a person that you, look, you can look at and see fruit in his life. He stood. He stood in 2020. He, he was willing to forfeit his job to not comply with ridiculous mass mandates, different things, not even scientific at all. Stood for the Lord. I look at that and I'm like, man, I can learn something from a person like that. Amen. And so I, I, I came on and did a Facebook video. This is all getting to a point, but... And basically said, hey, guys, we still have church tonight. I know a bunch of people were messaging, did you cancel church? And I just said, listen, we are Holy Ghost believers, right? There can be a hurricane and the lights get shut off and we will have church. I promise you, we will always have church. 
every time. We won't forsake assembling together. Especially after 2020, we're going to have church on principle alone. Like the devil doesn't want me to have church. We are going to have church. We'll find a way. You know, whenever snowpocalypse here hit a, a year ago, Sunday was rolling around. We had no electricity. I was like, I don't care if we have to go spend 10 grand and buy 15 generators just to, to have something functional in here. That's exactly what we're going to do. Amen. Hallelujah. And in fact, I'm telling you that I truly believe in a few short years that if you'll get that type of zeal, think about when Jesus went and flipped over tables in the temple because he had a zeal for his father's house. When you have Christ in you, you'll get a passion for, for the house of God. Amen. And so then I followed that video. Hey, basically, go to church. Don't miss church. It's going to be great. Get there tonight. I made a lighthearted post. Loser, stay home on Wednesday night. Don't be a loser. Be a winner. You get all these people come out of the woodworks. Never seen so many grown men with their panties in a wad in my whole life. I'm serious. I'm like, literally, like, are you kidding me? Because I use the word loser? Oh, my gosh. Somebody needed a few more spankings growing up. But anyways, here's my point. You know, people are like, John, you need to use wisdom when you talk like that. You know, there's certain people that they're just never going to want to come to your church. And, and, and it's really coming to this term. Listen. We are going to build a large, strong, strong, strong church in this county. But I don't. I'm, I, this ministry is not geared to accommodate all things. Are you with me? This ministry is not geared to accommodate all things. And I'm going to get into that. Write the vision, make it plain. That's kind of what I'm getting at that's in my spirit. I want, I want it to be clear. This is what we stand for. This is who we are. This is what we do. Amen. And then Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So I want to make it clear who we are. This is what we do. And I want everybody in this church, I think it's a healthy thing to evaluate some of these things that I'm going to go over tonight. This is what this church is about. This is what this work of the Lord is about. Can I walk together with it? Am I in agreement with it? Because if you're not in agreement, listen, like I said, listen, if you're the lazy boy, Cheeto stain on your finger type of Christian, you are absolutely, I'll never say, I don't want you here. Get out of here, you know, run you off. No, you're absolutely welcome. But I'm telling you the God honest truth. If you are hell bent and staying in that place, at some point we're going to part ways. Because the Bible says, set your path of the book of Proverbs. Set your course. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Don't let your feet follow after evil. But stay on the path. I want you to say that. Say, stay on the path. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Say, no. You cannot walk together. Without agreeing on the direction. And ultimately, I'm going to talk about this. Where are you called? As a Christian, you need to settle this. Where am I called? 
You need to get that answer from the Lord, and then you need to come into agreement with where you're called. Because this is actually telling you this is, why do you think Christians hop around like Peter Cottontail? Over here, over there. Why? Because they never get from the Lord. There's, I mean, I'll tell you several reasons. Because of carnality. Maybe because, I don't, maybe because it is a bad church. You know, I used to think that was an excuse. And I don't care if it doesn't make me friends. It's a reality. In my opinion, after 2020 happened, my eyes were open that not every single church is a church that I would recommend a person go to. Jesus literally said, you can tell the difference between a shepherd and a hired hand because a hired hand will run when the wolves come to attack the sheep. That happened in this country. It literally, they came after the people of God. Tar, you, well, it wasn't about the church. You're kidding me. The church is declared not essential, but Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot is declared essential services, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is declared not essential. You, you've got to be joking me. Are y'all with me? And you saw past, shut down. I mean, just totally, when, in the hour when people needed direction, they needed to see, because this is the thing, people will follow after their leader. That was the opportunity. You need to stand, and you need to lead. America needs to stand right now. And if the ministers of the gospel will stand, America will follow. But they didn't stand. When they saw the wolf coming for the church, they saw the wolf coming for the sheep, and what did they do? They fled. In the Bible, I didn't say that. Jesus said. That's because they're not a shepherd. They're a hired hand. I wouldn't recommend anybody going to a hired hand's church. You're not secure. You'll just learn to fold in every area of your life. You'll never become a giver. Why? Because you're a compromiser. You'll never, you'll never carry out the plan and purpose of God. Why? Because the second the devil tries to come to test you or any pressures put on you whatsoever, you'll just fold and cave because that's what you've been taught to do. Instead of standing. So, I mean, I literally, I used to hear people say, well, there's just no good churches. And I'm like, you're full of it. No way. But I'm going to tell you guys, there are a lot of good churches. There still are a lot of good churches in the United States of America. You've seen, you've seen them. I mean, you've seen. I, I could tell you, if we have people all the time that plug into our ministry from online and, and get saved, and, you know, either A, I'm like, move, come be a part of what God's doing, or if you are set, on staying in your state, I guarantee you there's at least one, one or two good churches in your state. Maybe not in your city, but in your state. Hallelujah. Y'all, and I'm not telling you too, listen, I've, I've took a hard stand because to me it was a serious deal. They don't understand. I mean, If there was a time to get arrested as a minister, that would have been the time to get arrested. Are you with me? But, you know, people, they hop around and for different reasons. And, and I'm going to tell you the main reason why is because they'll, they never come into agreement. They stay in rebellion with the place that God's called them to. 
I'll get to some of these points, but people are on the fence in life and they never settle this issue. Where are you called? So here's my first point tonight. Know where you are called. Listen to me. Here's a huge key to your life. Know where you are called. Know where you are called. In order to know where you're called, there's a few things you need to identify. Number one, what is the vision that you're called to? And I'll give you some warnings of this because some people have some funky vision. Listen, if your vision's not in the Bible, your vision's not from God, right? Some people's idea of evangelism is, well, the Holy Ghost told me to go climb the highest hill over the city and take my shofar and my, my guitar and ring and strum it. And as I strum it, strongholds would be broken off of that city. Not in the book of Acts. Not in the New Testament. You didn't see Paul climbing any hills, blowing any horns. You saw him preaching the gospel. How can they believe unless they're told? I'm going to fly over to Saudi Arabia, and I'm not going to talk to one soul. I'm not going to win no one to the Lord. I'm going to climb the highest tower, and I'm going to ring, hit my guitar, and revival's released. Guys, seriously? Yeah, because we just see revival released all over the world all the time, right? No, we don't. And if that, and just what I'm saying, like, listen, and there's people that think like that. And that's kind of my point. What I mean, you understand, listen, anybody's welcome here, but at, at some point, we're going to do this right here. We're not just hitting chords. All right, you guys ready? I'm going to play this guitar, this get fiddle tonight. I'm going to hit this chord, and now revival's being released in the heaven. We don't need to win souls. We don't need to do outreaches no more. We don't need to go door to door no more. I'm going to hit a secret chord that please the Lord. Amen. No. Honestly, why do people come up with goofy theology like that? Because it gets you, it, it, it takes the responsibility off of you. Well, I don't have to go win souls because I played my secret guitar chord that <laughs> broke strongholds. Are you guys with me? It's not in the Bible. Well, didn't they shout? Yeah, they shouted. The walls of Jericho came down. The Lord sends out the worship. But I'm telling you, the New Testament example. Say the New Testament example. Preach the gospel. Go into all the world and play the and blow the shofar and play the guitar. Is that what Jesus said? No, go and preach the gospel. Go make disciples of the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach these disciples to obey everything that I've commanded of you. And know this, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. You need to know where you're called. You need to know what vision God has given you. And so, say know where you're called. There must be a vine that you are connected to that is carrying out the vision that you're called to. I, this is really my main point. This is where 90% of people miss it. There must be a vine, and I'll explain this. I'm not just going to give you Christianese. There must be a vine that you are connected to that is carrying out that vision that you're called to. 
And so, again, you have people their whole life, number one, and I'll deal with some of these things. People never get plugged into a vine. What is a vine? And I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. It's a ministry, a church. They never, they spend their whole lives claiming Christianity, and they never get plugged in anywhere. Or number two, you have a lot of Christians that will actually claim membership at a church, but they're rebellious in their heart about everything. Pastor's calling for prayer and fasting. I don't like, I don't think that we really need to prayer and fast. In fact, I, I believe that that's not important, that we don't need to do that today. Then you're a part of the wrong ministry. Go find a ministry that believes that you don't need to pray and fast, but then listen to me. Before you do, listen to the warning that I'll give you before you do. Are you guys with me? Never commit, never give to anything, never show up, never put any skin in the game whatsoever. I mean, there's Christians that they'll live their whole life, maybe show up to a service once or twice. And I'm telling you, they may show up, but they're not connected to the vine. Are you guys with me? Hallelujah. So I want you to realize this. Number one, realize this. Everyone is called somewhere without exception. Everyone is called somewhere without exception. Everywhere, everyone, say everyone. That means everyone in this room is called somewhere without one exception. And I'm going to tell you something that I wish somebody, (laughs) I wish that preachers would tell the people of America, you're not the exception. Stop reading this and thinking that you're the one exception to what this says. That's a devil's lie from hell to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not the exception. Now turn to someone. Now, neighbor, turn back and say, You're not the exception. You got Christians that'll say that. Hey, you know, you ask the average Christian, Hey, should we be winning souls? Oh, yeah, we should be winning souls. Amen. Really? Great. Are you the exception? So you mean someone else should be winning souls? But not you, right? Should, should Christians bring their tithe to the house of God? Yeah, I think that they should. I think the church needs that. I think, really? Are you the, the, are you the exception to those things? This is what I'm talking about. People will live on the fence their whole time, and they'll never humble themselves. They never know where they're called, and then connect to the vine in which their, God has placed them. Everyone is called somewhere without exception. So underneath that point, understand this. Everyone is commanded to be a part of a local church. Listen, everyone is commanded to be a part of a local church. I know I use this all the time, but I'm telling you, as the pastor of this church, I'm not telling you anything that we don't do. You're like, well, you're a pastor. Who are you connected to? Why do you think I fly to Florida 15,000 times a year because I'm a branch that's connected to a vine. I submit myself. I humble myself. I come underneath a man of God's vision. And it's actually, it's so great because it's like half the time, instead of having to get creative and be unique and be individual and try to make a name for myself, I can actually just say, yes, sir, and carry out marching orders. It's actually awesome. What is the Lord doing this year? I don't know. Let's talk to the vine. What's the Lord telling the church to do? The Lord said do this. Hallelujah. Let's go back and let's do it in Texas. Praise God. 
so easy. Take all the stress. It actually makes life easy. And in fact, you see the blessing of God so <laughs> at a, the next level. Once you're connected, this is just for free. Once you're connected to a vine, stop questioning the instructions. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, then find somewhere that you agree with, but I'll give you a warning before you do. Because the reality is most people can't find somewhere they agree with. No one does it like them. Everyone has a thousand ideas. This is how you should run the church, really. But if most people were given the opportunity, the church would fall apart in three weeks and go bankrupt and not win souls, not make any impact. Opinions are like armpits. They all stink and everyone's got one. I was going to say something else, but armpits, armpits seemed better. <laughs> Everyone is commanded. Uh, guys, you know, you can even know a real man of God. If they're not connected to Yvonne, and, and I'm telling you that that's why me and my wife, it's important. Even as a minister, some of you feel called to ministry. Get credentialed. Not just with an abomination, denomination, I'm not talking about that, but get, you have to be connected to Yvonne. You know, every evangelist that we've ever brought into this house, when they're not out, they're plugged into a local church. They have a place that they go and sit when they're not preaching and serve and receive. You know, especially if a minister has the mindset that the only time they grace the doorframe of a church is if they're the ones ministering. I'm telling you right now, you need to run from that person. Everyone is commanded to be a part of a local church without exception. I'll deal with some of these mindsets that people have. Right? So it's like, why? this is where people miss it. Why do Christians not get connected to the vine? Well, they, they come up. You see it all over Facebook all the time. I had a girl comment on that post. It doesn't say in the Bible that you have to go to church to worship God. Really? It doesn't? Let's look at Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my what? My church. Say church. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is an interesting thing here. If you look at this word church in English, it's the word church. In the Greek, it's the word ekklesia. What does that word ekklesia mean? The word ecclesia means a gathering of citizens, what? Called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. How many of you know we are the church, amen? You don't have to go to church because we, we are the church. So actually, I can be sitting right here in my, in my lawn chair in my front yard with a glass of sweet tea. And I'm having church, praise God. The word church literally means to come out from your home and to gather in a place of public assembly. So, listen, that's, not a, that's a stupid idea. It's not in the Bible. Amen. Amen. 
And so what does that breed? It just breeds a bunch of people that are disconnected from a vine, that are off being mavericks, doing their own thing, never walking in the fullness of what God has for them. So can we just agree on that? A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. Well, I'm having church. You know, we're actually having church. You saw that at Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Are you guys kidding me? It blew my mind. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, he had a huge Christmas. On Christmas Day, he had a huge Christmas service. And do you know that he had 1,500 people give their life to Christ for the first time? When you see that, you're like, if you shut down, like you just, you got to be a loser. Like you just don't care about souls. How can you care about souls? Did you know statistically, Christmas and Easter are the two times that unbelievers go to church more than any other time? Knowing that, how can you shut down? Even, even if nobody comes, just the sake of we're going to stay open and just for one person to come in and give their life to Jesus Christ. Like that put a fire in me. All these people saying, you know what? What about all the, the staff members, right? We should shut down on Christmas because all the staff members, they have families and, and you know, they don't want to go to a church service. I don't know. Here's the thing. Go into the ministry and actually love what you do. And don't look for excuses to not have to show up and be a part of things. Like if, if it's a burden for you on the day that we celebrate, well, Christ wasn't born on that day. Okay, whatever. It's the day we celebrate that he was born. If it's a burden for you to get together with the church and to worship Jesus because it's just such a burden to show up to have to be a part of a service. I'm telling you, my friend, you're in the wrong field. You're in the wrong lane. You should stop preaching and you should go sell cars or you should go sell whatever. Do something else that you love to do. I think it's much better. We need to be at home. We can have church with our family. Yeah, half of them were probably playing Xbox the whole time. Stop, don't get out of the ministry. Become a professional Xbox player. Because you didn't have a problem doing that on Christmas. Why? Because you like it. <laughs> but you don't like church. That's the problem is that you actually, most churches are full of staff members that don't even want to be there. Are y'all with me? Am I helping anybody tonight? I don't know. If I'm not doing anything else, I'm making the devil awfully mad. We can have church with our family. No, you, you know, and that's like, what was church with your family? Guys, listen to me. Sitting at a table in your PJs, eating pancakes, drinking a cup of hot cocoa is not having church. Amen. Hanging out with your bros in a living room is not having church. Well, the early church met in homes. Are you, Really? The average, if you actually look historically, the average, the, the church service of the early church, the first few hundred years of the church, yes, they met in homes because, you know, here's this crazy thing. They didn't just have buildings everywhere. So they would find the richest person who had the largest house. And in the largest house, back then, they had these things called banquet halls in their homes. 
And so it would actually be the equivalent to like a hotel ballroom, a room as big as this that was empty meant for parties, meant for celebrations, and they would gather together and have church. It wasn't a bunch of people sipping on sweet tea and hot cocoa sitting on a couch, and they called it church. It was extremely organized. They would pray. They would, the bishops of the church, they would pray. Guys, the average church service, too, in the early churches, you know, was four hours long. The average Christian prayed one hour every single day, fasted two times per week, and went to at least one church service per week that was a minimal four hours long. This wasn't Jews. This was New Testament, Holy Ghost-filled Pentecost Christians. It's actually interesting if you study, and I'm not saying that that's what we should do, but if you study how they ran their church services... They would do the first two and a half hours, like preaching, all of this stuff, worship, prayer. They'd sing songs. And then they would literally kick all the unbelievers out. Did you know that? They'd kick all the unbelievers out and say, now we're going to take communion. This is only for the believers. So you got to go if you're not a believer. Get out. And then they'd have a holy communion service. <laughs> and then they'd pray for another hour together. Extremely structured, extremely organized. Well, the early church met in homes. Read a book before you start putting stuff on Facebook. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone is commanded to be a part of the local church. So again, this idea, I can be a Christian, that I don't go to a church, I'm not plugged in, I just believe in Jesus and I do my own rogue thing as an individual, it's not in the Bible anywhere. There's one example of a Christian in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. They met together each day. In the temple, they worshiped the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to sharing in meals with one another, including the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to these things. What does it mean to devote? It means to give yourself over completely to these things. Their worship to Jesus wasn't a secondary part of their life. It was the primary part of their life. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven above all other things and live righteously, and I'll give you everything that you need. Seek Jesus above all things. Say above. That means above your kids' stupid soccer practice. Dancing with the stars comes on Wednesday night. Sorry. Are you even saved? I mean, seriously, I, I'm telling you, not trying to mock people, but there's a reality. Jesus said many will stand before him and say, oh, Lord, I, we call Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? And he'll say, depart from me. I never even knew who you were. Only those who do the will of my father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That should put a fear of God inside of people. You know, like I'm telling you, listen, instead of being offended, if you'll listen, it will keep you from being a loser, a spiritual loser. I, I couldn't. I'm, if you have the Holy Ghost and you're reading this word, you can't go for more than a week neglecting the things of God without step, stepping back and saying, oh, my gosh, man, I got to what is going on? This is, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I can't go on vacation with my family for more than a week where it's like, 
time set apart to do nothing but have fun. I get to the end of that week and I'm like, man, I need to get saved. Like, not because I was out running in sin, because it's just like, I wasn't, I'm not sitting there, you know, instead of <laughs> I'm sitting there at, sorry, I can't go eat. I can't play with you kids. Shut up. I'm going to study at the table for the next three hours. You know, you put that stuff aside, but you just, you have something in you like, man, I got to get back. I got to keep the oil. I got to keep the oil flowing. I got to keep the lamps lit. Are you with me? If that's not a conviction in you, where you can be a loser all the time and do nothing for God and never be about the Father's business and not bat an eyelash about it, I want to really challenge if you're even saved and if you have the Spirit of God in you at all. Because the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, won't, won't let you do that stuff. He's the best teacher. He will teach you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll convict the world of righteousness, the Bible says. Man, let's look up that verse right there. Anybody getting something out of this? John 16.8. Turn your Bible there. Look at that. Hallelujah. Romba kashite rombo. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Spirit of God. John 16, 8. And when he comes, who? Go ahead and actually, verse 5. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. This is Jesus. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Ghost will convict the world of its sin. Say sin. So you can't, you understand why the Bible says. It says you cannot, First John, you cannot be a child of God and continue to live in sin. Are you with me? We're going to cross-reference that verse. First John 3, 9. So hold that place and look at First John 3, 9. Pastor, I think you need to have more props. You need to have more entertainment. No. First John 3, verse 8. When people keep on sinning, it shows 
that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family, look at this, do not make a practice of sinning because God's life, say his life, is in them. So not only they don't do it, they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Verse 10, so now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. How can you tell who's a child of God and who's a child of the devil? Because a child of God cannot continue to live in sin. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Do you understand what he says here? That he will convict the world of its sin. So if you have the Holy Ghost, guys, I'm telling you, you can't keep living. You can't. It's, it, there is a power in you that just... it. it it cripples you. This is wrong. You must stop. It grieves you from the inside because you've been born of God's spirit. Are you guys with me? It will convict you of uh, the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. And it says, and of the coming judgment. You know, the coming judgment, what that means. Jesus is coming again very soon. Make the most of every opportunity as you live in these evil days, the Bible says. So what does that mean? The Holy Ghost inside you will actually put an urgency in you. I don't got time to sit in a lawn chair and smack on chino-stained fingers. I don't got time to be a loser. I don't have time to take this easy. I don't have time to preach little softball cotton candy things. We don't have time to play games. We don't have 50 or 100 years to reach this city. We don't have 75 years to shake this nation. The time is now. Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. And there's only one thing that will matter when he comes back. It's what did we do of eternal value. Value. What did we do with the talent that he gave us? What, we can't take houses with us to heaven. We can't take cars with us to heaven. We can't take clothes with us to heaven. Those things are only a tool to win souls. There's only one thing we can take to heaven, and it's souls. My harvesters are paid good wages, and the harvest that they gather are souls gathered to the kingdom. Everything has to be about souls. Are you with me? I, well, I don't really like the whole outreach thing. I, listen, we're going to part ways. We're going, we, can't, we don't agree. We don't agree. We don't agree. Brother John, you just need to walk in love. I love you. We don't agree. I was telling Miss Kim, when we got this church, the church that we were under closed. If we would have still been in that situation, there's so many people. John, what you did wasn't right. You know, you made a stand. They sold you the building. You, you should have just compromised and went along with everything they wanted you to do. No, two can't. Listen, I love you. I pray for you. I pray God uses you. But if two don't agree, we can't walk together. If we would have been underneath that, they shut down. We would have been forced to shut down. You know why? Because we didn't own our building. And we weren't over our own ministry. Are you with me? Say souls. souls. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, listen, what am I doing? 
Todd, what are you doing right now? Making the path clear. This is who we are. We're not here. It seems like you don't want to help people. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we, we don't care about the loss. That's why we sent our team out till midnight to win 100 souls. Our last month, we gave, spent thousands of dollars to go stand in the pouring rain to bring eight people to Jesus. Yeah, because we just don't care. We don't care about that religious lying devil that's trying to cripple the United States of America. Are you with me? Like I just, the persecution, it used to bother me. It used to like, oh, you know, we just want to make friends with everyone. I'm going to tell you, when you're a believer, you're not here to make friends with everyone. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will also hate you. Is a servant greater than his master? That's why they think that the ultimate goal of the church is just to make friends with everyone. No, the ultimate goal of the church is to do the Father's will and win souls. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hallelujah. So there is no blueprint for a Christian in the Bible that just does their own little rogue thing and is not connected to a vine. Are you all with me? Can we just settle on that? Next time your family member tells you, you know what, you don't have to be a Christian to go to church, just go ahead and If you have the boldness, you can tell them, but say, sorry, my friend, you were very wrong about that. Well, what do you mean? Well, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. Okay, you may say that you love Jesus, but he also said that if you love me, you'll do what I say. Amen. If you abide in me, how do I abide in him? John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. If you, listen. Deuteronomy 28, if you listen to the voice of the Lord your God and diligently hearken unto his commands. Lord, I love you. And how I show my love to God is actually very simple. I believe and I obey. It's as simple as that. I believe what you said and I obey what you said. You know, that's actually the devil. It's pride. Did you know that? Just that thought right there. I don't have to be a Christian. I don't have to go. I'm a Christian. I claim to be a Christian, but I don't have to be a part of ecclesia. I don't have to obey the command, ecclesia, to leave my honing and gather in public assembly. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, don't forsake assembling together. Some people do. I believe Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. He was commanding them. Listen, church, there will come a time where some people who claim Christians might rise up and say that this isn't important, but don't listen to what they say. Don't stop following the blueprint. Don't stop obeying the command as some people do. But in fact, as Jesus grows, the return of Christ comes nearer and nearer. You need to be meeting together more often and more frequently. Why? Hallelujah, so we can get power, so we can get grace, so we can get the anointing. So for what? To go back into the world and then come back to a service next week and hear another message? No, to occupy till he comes back. Occupy till I come. 
take your talent and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it. And I need the grace and of God and the power of the Holy Ghost in order to do that. I need the anointing to do that. I need the anointing to possess the land for the righteous shall possess the land. Are you guys with me? Are you with me? Something has to shift. Like for me, the vine I'm connected to, Dr. Rodney in Tampa, I've realized something. I can't afford to be unconnected. Well, if you go, you're going to have to spend thousands. You've got to get you a plane ticket, your daughter, your wife a plane ticket, a nanny a plane ticket to watch the kids. You're going to have to upgrade your vehicle. You're going to have to do all this stuff. doesn't matter. I can't afford to not go. Because there's a grace. I'll get to this in a moment. There's a grace that comes from being connected to the vine. This is what was in my spirit tonight. Is this okay with everybody? Why don't we just call it for what it is? Well, you don't have to be a Christian and go to church. Okay, let's just call it for what it is. You know? Just say this, I don't want to go to church. And I'll also say this, though, I will make the allowance. Because some people will say, you know, so what do you think, John? I should just go anywhere, you know, I should just go to the first place that I see and they don't, they don't win souls. They're not about that. They don't lay hands on the sick. They're not full of the Holy Ghost. I should just go for the sake of going. No, I told you. I did see in 2020 that there was truly a separation between the wheat and the tares. But what I am saying is if, there's not a, if there hasn't been a place, don't let the devil keep you in that place perpetually. Keep you living your whole life just disconnected. You know, look. Make the effort. Are you guys with me? And all of you have. You're here, obviously. But this is what's in my spirit, so this is what I'm telling you. Everyone is commanded to be a part of the local church. Well, you know why? Because it's, it's more than just a church service. Did you know that? Being a part of the church is more than just attending a church service. There is a vine that you are called to. So here's kind of the premise of my message. Where are you called? There is a vine that every person is called to. Jesus said this in John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true grapevine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Say remain in it. That's, that's a key to life. Not only is Christ the main vine, just like this. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that Jesus, he said he is the great shepherd, right? But then people will say like this excuse, well, I don't need a pastor because Jesus is the shepherd, right? I'm connected to the great shepherd. I get it straight from the source. Yes, but yet he, so then why did he tell Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs? 
If that was his mindset, that you wouldn't need a shepherd, a human being as a shepherd, all you need to do is just come to me, you can bypass all of that, then it wouldn't have made sense. What was he actually showing you? That he would be the shepherd through Peter. You know that that's actually what the word pastor means in the Greek. The word pastor means shepherd. It mean, So even though Jesus is the, the main honcho, right? He's the head. He's the head of the church. We are the body. He's the great shepherd. He appoints under shepherds, delegates his authority to under shepherds that carry out his shepherding in the earth. Jesus is the vine. But underneath the vine, there's different works, there's different graces, there's different vines that you connect to, that you become a branch of that vine. And the key is to abide in the vine. Say, abide in the vine. You need to, you need to know where you're called, get there, and then remain in it. Are you with me? Say, remain in it. What does it mean to remain? You, that means you have to make sacrifice. Sacrifice things to remain in the vine in which God has called you. Things have to go. Things have to be shifted around. Things have to move. You have to give of yourself to remain in the vine that God's called you. For a branch, look at this, guys. Listen to me. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. A branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. I'll tell you right now, I've never seen a Christian do anything great that's disconnected from the local church. All these people, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Really? Okay, let's compare that resume with a resume of a person that gives their life to serve the body of Christ. And just compare fruit, compare results. And you'll actually see something that them being disconnected from the vine, they, they, don't, they can't do anything. They're not blessed. No one's getting changed. No, you know, their family falls apart. You guys with me? Nothing works. Disconnected from the vine. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You have to know the vine in which you're called. I'll tell you a testimony in just a moment, but... The vine that we are called to as ministers of the gospel. We're called to Jesus, but he's connected us with a work, a vine that we are a branch of. The River Church Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. I've learned this. I'm telling you. I've tested it. What I'm telling you is the God-honest truth. Disconnecting myself from that ministry makes me unable to produce any fruit. I'm telling you the truth. You may think that seems crazy. It's not crazy. There was times, because I'll be honest, I'll, I'll get to this point in a moment. Where you're connected to, you need to be led by the Spirit of God. And you need to humble yourself. Listen, even if it, because I told you when I first got connected there, I didn't understand. I was like, every, my flesh bucked it, and it bucked it hard. And there was actually a time where I thought, you know what, I honor that, I love that, I love what they're doing, but I just don't know, I just don't know if this is really for me. So I'll go look and see what other people are doing. Let me try it. I'll go over here, and, and I'll test it over the waters over here. Let me go over here. I'll test the waters over here. Let me go over here, and I'll test the waters over here. And, guys, I'm telling you the God-honest truth. I learned very quick. Me and my wife learned very quick. You can't produce fruit disconnected from the vine. 
And I'm like, ooh, no, oh my God, okay, Lord, you know what? I'll, I'll do this crazy thing. I'll humble myself and realize that you've brought me somewhere, not to change that somewhere which you brought me to, but be changed by the place that you brought me to. Because you actually called me to be a part of something because there's an impartation you need to get in me that I don't have right now. So I'll humble myself, and, I'll, and I won't just, oh, sure, I'm connected. No, I'll actually give myself to it. I'll sow radical seed. I'll serve. I'll show up. I'll participate. I'll push the vision. I'll be connected to the vine, and I'm telling you, the fruit, it, it's, it's non-comparable. The financial fruit, non-comparable. The grace of God, non-comparable. Does everybody get what I'm saying? A branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. That's why the Peter, Cottontail, hopping around Christians, they'll never do anything great from the Lord because they won't get settled and get planted. And I'm telling you, it's not just showing up to a service. It's giving yourself over to it. Come something completely. Completely. Come on, completely. Hallelujah. Brother James, you, you had a testimony that you shared with me. That you said that the Lord really began to teach you this principle that I'm talking about, about honor, about really serving, about, and you said the moment that God settled that with, with your heart, promotion opened up for you instantly at work. Is that right? Will you come share? Take about two minutes. Come on up. Y'all give Brother James a round of applause. I want you to share. I want you to share just a, a moment of that. Just like take 120 seconds, if it's possible. I went to Christ for the... I went to Christ for the Nations Bible College Institute. I did six months there, and while I was there, the Lord spoke to me after about six months of being there, and he told me, I want you to do three things. I want you to marry Hannah Catlett. I want you to serve Pastor John's church, and I want you to move to Huntington, Texas. I've done those three things, and honestly, ever I mean, when you follow the voice of the voice of the God where you're connected to, you just can't go wrong with it. It's like... There were things at my job that were just held up. I was really believing God for a promotion. I was believing God for this job to open up, and it just wasn't happening. But, you know, really the Lord started teaching me about, you know, the honor principle, the honor's reward, you know, where Jesus said, you know, if you give even a cup of water to one of these servants, you're doing it unto me. So it's like God has given you know, us in here, a wonderful pastor, a man of God, you know, Jesus said, or actually Paul the Apostle wrote in Ephesians 5 that, you know, Christ gave these gifts to the church, and Christ has given us a fivefold gift, Pastor John Wallace, and uh, it's in our best interest to serve him well, and, you know, genuinely, like when I got behind the vision I humbled myself because, like, I'm going to be real. There were things at times that things he would say because it's a challenge sometimes. You to, get offended by it. Yes, you yeah, get, you get yeah, offended. you get offended by it. But, like, when you There's humble. There's no way, right? Yeah. No way you got offended by something I said. 
Yeah, no way. I mean, you, you would think. I mean, I mean, come on. It's just like one of those deals. Like when you choose to not get offended and you humble yourself unto the man of God that God put here. I mean, think about it. Jesus gave these gifts to the fight to the church. He said. Their responsibility is to build up God's people, right? And we're God's people. So when Jesus gave us a gift, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to pull this together in my brain. I, either way, I chose to humble myself and anything that was said by him to me, I took it as a command from the Lord. And that's when things started to go very well in my life. I don't have to struggle for promotion. I don't have to struggle for money. I don't have to, like, pray, oh, God, Lord, that this day would just be well. No, honor. Amen. 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 And if I'm not wrong, too, I mean, we can, this can help people. There was a time where you were, you were, I mean, honestly, I could tell you were getting offended. Yes, sir. I was pushing, like, we need to do this, we need to do this. James, I need you to do this. I need, and you were like, uh, I don't know. You know, do I really have to? Should I really? And I remember you came to me when God began to show you this principle about just total humbling, submission, get connected to the vine, remain in it. Yes. And when the Lord clicked that in your heart, you said it was like almost immediately the promotion that you were waiting for, waiting for, waiting for, it, it just, boom, it opened up immediately. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 It's true. I'm telling you guys, it's the God honest truth. Anyone who does not remain in me, this is Jesus saying this, is thrown away. Like a useless branch in a wither, such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Then you'll produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. And this brings glory to my Father. So get this tonight. Your fruitfulness, say my fruitfulness, comes from hooking into the vine that I'm called to. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I did not feel like fasting for 21 days this year. You know, I've never fasted for 21 days straight without eating ever my whole life. But this year I did. Do you know why I did? I have a spiritual father named Jonathan Shuttlesworth who came on and said, if you're in the full-time ministry and you don't fast for 21 days, you're a loser. But I could, oh no, my feelings are hurt. I'm not going to support your ministry anymore. Or I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Seriously, though, seriously, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And it's just amazing. Like, you just come into obedience. You're, you come humbly, you're connected to the vine in which God's called you. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with the man of God. Not just me, just in general. I'm telling you, we haven't even begun to see the fruit. When Dr. Rodney got arrested, many people turned their backs on him. Say faithfulness. Your fruitfulness will come from your faithfulness. Amen. Your fruitfulness will come from hooking into the vine in which you're called. And I'll tell you why a lot of people, why they can never enter into, I'm telling you, like Bible blessing. It's because they may even show up, but in their heart, they're disconnected. 
In their heart, they're offended all the time. In their heart, they're complaining all the time. In their heart, no matter what vision is ever pushed, they've decided, I'll do it if I want to do it. If I don't want to do it, you can't make me do anything. I won't be a part. They have that American mindset. Are you guys with me? And I'm telling you, it cuts. They're cutting their own hands off. They're, they're cutting their own. They're going outside like George Washington and chopping down their own apple tree. Are you with me? So, the way that you hook into the vine of Christ, because Christ is the vine, amen. Christ is the vine, but the way that you hook into the vine of Christ is by hooking into the earthly ministries that he establishes. Look at Philippians 1.7. Look what Apostle Paul said. Even as it is, meet for me to think this of you all. But I have this in my heart, inasmuch, you guys got it in the King James. Yeah, okay. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, very confusing. Last line, ye all are partakers of my grace. You are partakers. He was telling this to the Philippian church. You are partakers of my grace. You know, what was he actually saying there? Apostle Paul was telling this church, there is a grace that God has put on me as a Paul, as a, as a man of God, as an apostle. There's a grace. Say, there's a grace. There's a blessing. There is a grace that God puts on a person that he's appointed. An anointing, a grace. And, and when you, if you actually look in Philippians chapter 4, Paul was commending them that they were the only church that faithfully stood with him financially. Did you know that? That you guys continued, he said, you continued to send gifts even when I was far away. Right? They, they served, they connected to the vine of the Apostle Paul. They received Apostle Paul as their spiritual father. They sowed, they connected, they listened, they abounded. You know, he said, follow me as I follow after Christ. He said, continue in the ways in which I've established. Don't let any other teacher come in and begin to deter you. Continue with the pattern that I've established for you. What is that? That's what Jesus said. Oh, remain in me. Abide in me. Are you with me? And he told the church, because of this, you're a partaker of the grace of God. There's a grace of God on a ministry. There's a grace of God on Revival House Church. Are you with me? There's a grace of God on the River Tampa Bay. There's a grace of God on Revival Today. There's a grace of God. And when you, 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 but you, listen, you have to be connected to the vine. It's not hap, halfway commitment. Well, I don't know if I will really want to tie the, I mean, literally, like, that's, that's the thing. Everything, say everything. You give everything to the work of the Lord. Where are you called? What is the vision of God? Are y'all with me? I'm about to end. A few more minutes. Get this too. This is the God honest truth. Guys, listen to me. You can take it. You can leave it. But I'm going to give it to you either way. You are called to one person, one place, and one ministry. I'm telling you the truth. You can bless many people. 
You can sow many places. You can stand with many ministers. You can spread your seed far and wide. All of that's great. You should do that. But listen to me. You were called to one place, one person, and one ministry. Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. Only one. Say only one. For I, he said, I became your spiritual father in Christ when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. You know, people get so caught up. Well, does that mean that the random guy that led me to Christ in the street when I was 12 years old, he's my spiritual father? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about although you have many teachers, you are connected to one vine, right? Amen. That's where Christians totally get, get messed up. You, ch- you, you see Christians every weekend. They're bouncing around at this conference. They're bouncing around at that conference. They're bouncing around over here. They're bouncing around under this guy. They're bouncing around under that guy. And guess what? They're getting all this knowledge, but there's no fruit really in their life of any of it because they're disconnected from the vine. I don't bounce around. I'm not at conferences in New York and then in California and then I'm in Canada and then I'm. No, I I don't need to because God has showed me the vine in which I'm connected to. I don't need to do that. Are you with me? The Lord showed me where to put my seed. The Lord showed me where to serve my life. The Lord showed me the vision for the United States of America and who's he's chosen to, to champion that vision and who to come behind. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Say one person, one place, one ministry. You meet, you meet Christians like that, too. I meet Christians all the time. They just rove around, and they're like, where do you go to church? Well, I kind of go to all of them. I just, I just go to a different place every week. And Guys, I'm telling you, it's a cute idea, but I'm telling you, look at the fruit. They never accomplish anything. They're not shaking cities doing that. In fact, most of the time, they're weirdos that don't make sense about anything. Are you with me? Say one person. So you gotta, you've got to settle this in Revival House Church. Listen, let's tie all this together. Make the vision plain. I'm not trying to be all things to all people. I'm not here trying to have a little dash of this, a little dash of that, a little dash over here, a little dash of make you feel good, and a little dash of entertain you. Listen, we are what we are. We're doing what God called us to do. And next week, I'm going to lay out some scriptural pillars that we stand in. One of the pillars we stand on in this church is, and I'm not going to go over all the verses, but I'll read you some of these. Only those are, number one, we believe that every Christian must be red hot. And lukewarm Christians are at risk of hell. I'm not going to be quiet about that. I believe that every Christian must be red hot according to the Bible. And that if you are considered lukewarm, what the Bible would consider lukewarm, you're at risk of hell. You're at risk of judgment. Right? I don't subscribe. This church, we don't subscribe to the idea that you got saved when you were eight years old and did nothing for the Lord, but you're going to go to heaven because you prayed that prayer. There's only one type of Christian that will enter into heaven and receive a reward, and it's one that was on fire for Jesus. I would rather you be hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth, he said. 
Only those with oil in their lamps will enter in. Only those who are red hot will be acceptable to the Lord. Only those who do the will of the Father will enter in. Only overcomers will enter in. Those are non-negotiable things for this ministry. And that's what we push into the people. Are you with me? If you connect to this church, you are going to be pushed to be a red hot on fire Christian servant of God. And if somebody comes in here and says, you know what? I just don't want that. I don't care. I don't, I'm not interested in that. We are not changing anything to accommodate that lack of interest. Well, don't we just need to get numbers? Yeah, we're going to get numbers, but you know, God narrowed Gideon's army down. 20,000. Oh, okay. Well, let everybody who's afraid go home. Almost all of them left. Then after those that were still there, then he said, here's the second wave of, of refinement. Now have them all go drink. Those that drink with their hand and then those that dip their face in the water. And, and this was interesting. Dr. Rodney actually said this. He said, the army that remained was defined by their ability to drink from the river. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your ability to drink from the river. I just, uh, look at it, it's eight twelve, and I'm ready to go. Like, then just go. Then you know what I mean. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I mean, that's what we're pushing. There's a reason we have an intern that goes out until midnight to win a, to get us to a hundred souls. That this like people. Does it really matter? Yes, it matters to us. Amen. 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 I believe every Christian should be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. I believe that every Christian is mandated to win souls according to the Bible. I believe that God's will is for you to rise to the multi-million dollar level and be at the top of every industry. Well, I ain't about that. Then you ain't about this. I believe at this church, we believe that you prosper through tithes and radical offerings along with obedience to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are y'all with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You were called to one person, one place, one ministry. So here's a quick question. Who has the Lord called you to? So I've told you, I'll, I'll give you a warning. You need to figure out who God's called you to, but here's the warning that I've been leading you up to the whole time. You ready for the warning? Here's the warning. Beware of going somewhere in your flesh. Second Timothy, because that's the thing, is that people are like, okay, then fine. I, I hear you, Brother John. I need to stop. I need to get settled. I need to get connected to the vine. So I guess I'll find my vine that I need to get connected to. Beware of how you find that vine. Because look what 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says. For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. So although you need to know where you're called and where you're connected, I'm telling you, don't let your flesh take you there. 
Well, I feel like I'm connected to this fine. Why? Because they don't push me to do anything. Amen. They make, like, I don't, have to, I don't have to love Jesus. I don't have to win souls. I don't have to give anything. I don't have to do nothing. Amen. I can be gone for six months and they don't even care. That's just a normal part. I'm, I'm telling you, beware. Is it the Holy Ghost that led you there? Is it your flesh? Amen. Amen. I'll probably preach on this some more next Wednesday. But I wanted to just make this clear. The Lord said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Make it plain. Say, make it plain. Have I made things plain tonight? Have I made it clear this is who we are? This is what we believe? This is, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that the fivefold ministry is given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We are here to equip you. How are we equipping you? This is the way that we're equipping you. This is how we're pushing you. Make the vision plain. So I'll, I'll also end with this right here. I'll end tonight with this. Some of you said, praise God, he's done. Let me tell you very clearly what we are doing here at Revival House Church. Where are we going? We are building a church this is short-term goal. We are building a church of 1,000 on-fire Christians. Say on-fire. On I'm not building a church where I have 1,000 spectators come in. I'm building a church of 1,000 on-fire Christians who love Jesus, who dominate in every area of society, and who win the lost. Out of that 1,000... We are going to raise up multiple multimillionaires who will funnel millions into the kingdom and fund the end time harvest. Amen. That's where we're going. That's as clear as I can make it for you. If none of that sounds good to you, then I'm telling you, either A, check your flesh, where's the Lord called you, or B, I'm, I'm just telling you the God honest truth. Amen. Because the minute that you'll figure out where God's called you and you'll connect to the vine, I mean really connect to the vine. I mean like we have revival meetings and no one has to question if you're going to be here or not. Hallelujah. I mean like that type of connect to the vine. I mean it's like, wow, like you'll see. You'll see what God will do in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.